The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay. What are we drinking today? Our favorite. Ah. <laughs> we are celebrating the last day of vacation for me. We are. The new, as the New Year's uh, approaches and is in full swing. We're celebrating so getting engaged, and we're yeah. celebrating a new year. Yeah. And we're celebrating like having epic sex. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so why not have our best cocktail? We're having a gin martini. So it's, if you're making two large doubles, eight parts gin, we use Tangeray London Dry. To one part of Dolan dry vermouth, and then two little droppers of about, about twelve or thirteen drops in all. Yeah, of orange bitters. Yeah, and then stir it, strain it, it's ice cold glass with a orange peel, and try to express the orange zest oils over the glass after you've filled it before you make your twist. Yeah, and then make your twist, and then make your twist, in. drop it in, it's serve it brilliant. in ice cold glass. It's just. So- mm. Yeah, I think the secret to this is letting it rest after you've stirred it yeah. for a little bit. Yeah, I, think I did that. That, that mm-hmm. makes the drink just perfect. Mm-hmm. So it's our perfect martini. Yeah, it is. Mm. That's perfect. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, very cool. So happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Yeah. Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Slub USA, the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at slub, S-L-U-B-B dash USA dot com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder dot app. Okay, well, first, I want to wish all of our listeners a happy new year. Happy new year. I know, it's 2024. It's a big year for us. Yes, it is. We're going to get married. We're going (laughs) to get married. Yeah, it's more fun. And we're doing something new, which we haven't done before, which is not unlike things we have done before. We've reviewed books. We've reviewed movies. We haven't done is review a TV series. Yeah. So we're going to start this year... By reviewing Lessons in Chemistry. Yeah, it's, it's so excellent. This is a show on Apple TV. If you haven't seen it, it's brilliant. It really is. It really is. And 
part of what makes it brilliant is the way that the characters relate is very familiar to us because yeah. it sort of amplifies the conversation about demi sapiosexuality consistently throughout the series. Yeah. And actually the first time we've seen that, although I will say we've noticed it in other things we've watched that there have been other moments in other movies where you go, Oh, look, there's a Demi Sapio. Yeah. You it's know? actually been fascinating with our own exploration or understanding of our own sexuality. Instead of seeing some of those characters as what we would call eccentric or odd or something, you know, yeah. because there wasn't language behind it. It is like crystal clear. I can see like, oh my God, that's exactly, yes, of course she's turned on right now because this is what's happening, you know, and it reaffirms for me, you know, hey, no, I wasn't weird this whole time. There exactly. really is something about it, why I had these feelings and why I thought that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's jump right in. So, so the show begins in 1958, more or less. Yeah. And she arrives at a studio. TV studio and- yeah you sort of get the impression that she's the star as she walks through the studio. Yeah, very... You, you, don't really, you don't really know anything about her, but she's very much in charge of the experience that's being had. And there's a cadre of women in the audience, and everyone's sort of dressed in that sort of 1958-ish yeah. kind of outfit, right? Homemaker outfit. And then she stands in front of the camera, and she, you know, she's a beautiful woman, but she's also like humorless like she has no affect at all None. that that you would consider like she's not smiling at the camera she's not interacting with it in a way she's not trying to engage you she's just saying what it is yep and she starts off in this particular episode by throwing away the sponsor's soups yeah <laughs> and saying that if you choose to feed your family members these soups don't worry, they'll die off sooner than you thought, you and therefore <laughs> you would have less to do at home. Yeah, of course, but the, the executives are all freaking out. But anyway, you sort of see this experience, and she ends her show. She starts off by saying, this is dinner at six, and she ends the show by saying, children set the table. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Your mother needs a moment. <laughs> Alone. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just think that's so funny. But anyway... It's brilliant. And then it jumps to seven years earlier. Mm -hmm. And then you start to get a little bit of a sense of who this woman is, right? So mm -hmm. there jumps to a scene where she is in a laboratory and she's doing lab tech kinds of things. And she's at the effect of all these male chemists. Mm -hmm. And you start to get the sense that this is an incredibly misogynistic experience. Like they're telling her to make coffee. You know, you don't know who she is just yet, but... It turns out like she and it's is misogynistic a in a weird way. She's a chemistry assistant for them, right? She's not yeah. their secretary, but they treat her like a secretary, and yet they call her by her last name, which is very familiar with men calling each other by their last names, like "Hey Smith, come here." Yeah. Whereas with any other woman, they'd go "Miss so and so." Miss. Yes. It's just a weird cross section of how they move through that male world, right? And what amplifies this whole experience for the viewer is that the place where she works, Hastings, is going to have a like a beauty pageant. Yeah. So let's just talk about how obscene that is. <laughs> this is obscene. a company yeah. who, based on the time, you know, because misogynistic 
attitudes were abound Pervasive. at this time. Yeah. 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 And so therefore it's okay in a company. Can you even imagine if this happened today? <laughs> it's okay for a company to say, Hey, you're a female. So you need to be in the pageant to entertain us. Entertain the men. Yeah. And win for our departments. Yeah. And it's not just like a, a pageant. A beauty pageant. It's not Are just you like, kidding me? It's not just a pageant. You have to have an evening gown better. You have to do a like bikini. a skill. You got to do a skill. <laughs> a skill. <laughs> And some people's skills, quite frankly, were like whistling. Yeah, whistling skill. There was oh one woman gosh. who did a, a forward walkover, so gymnastic skill. Somebody was playing the tuba or the, or the, the French horn French or something. French horn, yeah. yeah. And when they asked her what her skill was going to be, she said, oh, I was just going to like heat a tomato in boiling water and then put it in cold water for a minute and the skin would have slipped off. And she used all the scientific all the jargon of why yeah. that would happen because of the molecules expanding and contracting. Right, but we never get to see that because she's so disgusted by the experience and by being minimized. Paraded like cattle. Really paraded like cattle, but minimized by the lead scientist that she just sort of bails out and she just leaves. And You've met another character in the movie. You don't know anything about this character, except that he's a runner, because he's running everywhere. Well, you do get that he's a scientist. You know he's a scientist because he's showering in his lab, which is a disgusting, filthy pigsty. Yeah, his underwear is over there. He's He's nuts and saltines all over the place. All over the counter. Elizabeth, the character, Elizabeth Zott, she is doing some sort of scientific experiment. Yeah, she's got her master's from UCLA in chemistry, so she you know, plays the assistant, lab assistant all day long. But she's a serious scientist. Right. And then when the lights go out and it's time for clothes, she quietly, after the lab's been cleaned, starts her own experiments. Right. She's actually after doing hours, science. Yeah. She's doing science after a full work day. Yeah. And then she runs out of this one chemical. Ribose. Ribose for her study. And she, she goes to look for it. And she, the place she goes is the lab of this other chemist who's been running she basically breaks into his office she breaks into his office she goes through his stuff she pulls a bottle of ribose Mm -hmm. and she goes about her work one of the secretary sees her yeah sees her and reports doesn't see her stealing it but sees her back in her original lab working working after hours yeah and she reports it and so elizabeth is called before the head scientist and he basically rips her a new one you're a master student you're not even a chemist how dare you use our equipment yeah yeah. and she tries to explain her actual science science that she's working on and he just misses it he just says this is thousands of dollars equipment and you're not being supervised and just and basically then at the end of the conversation manipulates her and says you know, our culture, you need to be part of the game, basically. You yeah. need to be part of the culture. And I heard that you wouldn't do the pageant, right, so. but maybe you really should reconsider. And then as she... If you leave, want to keep your employment here. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is total sexual harassment. It really is. <laughs> and so as she's leaving, she gets cornered by the lead secretary who saw her in the first place and basically gets strong-armed. coerced, strong-armed yeah. into... You know, here, take a picture against the wall. It looks yeah. like a mugshot. Yeah. I mean, and remember, you have to wear these kind of things and do this stuff. And it's just, it's madness. So we get to the pageant, and she's really uninterested in the pageant. Yeah. But she's on stage, and she's Miss Amino Acids or whatever. And they parade all the women. Yeah. And Kelvin, the young <laughs> scientist whose lab she stole the ribose from, arrives late at the pageant, and he sits down at a table. And you see the wife of the lead doctor sitting down 
and this young scientist has like severe allergies and has an allergic reaction to her perfume and he goes running out and elizabeth in the meantime has been has already left she's left and picked up her coat from coat check she's just like done being treated like as she whirls around he starts puking on the floor in front of her or or on her yeah (laughs) i I was amazed like it's probably hit her shoes yeah for sure but anyway she was really sort of Kind. Like, kind about it, you know, and she said, well, you know, you can't really help it. I mean, it's just a natural reaction. The, the, the glottis closes off and the only place for that to go is up and out. So, you know, just don't worry about it. Just I'll take you home because he says I'm going to run home. And she's like, no, you're not. I'm going to drive you. Yeah. So she drives him home and he's busy trying to apologize to her for calling her a secretary. Yes. And this was a great little moment because you because see he, him. Because he, you know, he, he had narrowed it down that she had stolen the ribos. The ribos, yeah, yeah. And, and had really... She tried to defend herself and said, well, I am a scientist or something like, he said something like, you're not even a scientist. Because I am a scientist. I have a master's from UCLA. And he goes, well, in what? Chemistry. He goes, oh, well, you're also a fibber. Yeah, he doesn't believe her. Basically, he's complaining about her to other people in the department saying she's a secretary. And the the lead secretary is saying, well, is that Marjoram or whoever she was trying to reference for that department? And he goes, no, it's something like Zot. She goes, well, she's not a secretary. She's... She's a lab tech. She's a, a, a lab assistant. Yeah. And he goes, he's she's a what? Yeah, she has her master's from UCLA in chemistry. Yeah. And it took all that affirmation for him to finally accept that the woman could be a scientist. Yeah, so it's really interesting. So he's apologizing. He's, he's trying to apologize for that. And, and she was having none of it. And she's like, you don't know why you're apologizing. The fact of the matter is that you're not a very nice person. You're, and I don't like you. You're, you're so boorish. <laughs> and I don't like you. And that's it. She walks out. And so that's the end of it. But then the next day, he brings her the ribose because he sees her sitting in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And he says, the reason I came to the thing the other night was to bring you this ribose. And that's the first time she feels appreciated because she is seeing this guy who had no real justification to give her anything. Yes. Went out of his way to bring it to her, find her and give it to her. And she's eating and he's like, you know, I'm starving. I don't eat. They, and She knows it too. Yeah. She knows him well enough. He doesn't eat. And yeah. so then she's like, would you like a bite? And he's like, oh no. You know, the, everyone is like, oh no. Yeah. And then he eats it and he's like, oh my God, this is great. <laughs> and, and so what's really funny about that is it's a little bit of lasagna that she gives him. And he goes, this is perfect. She goes, well, it's not perfect. This is my 78th attempt. I know. It's almost perfect. <laughs> and they get into a conversation about the chemistry of cheese. Yeah. Which and I the thought was fascinating. Point. The melt point and the way the molecules work together and the binding agents and all of this. And it's just so fascinating. And it's actually them having sex is what that is. Totally. Because that is him speaking into her demisapiosexuality. And it's the first time you really get a sense of that. It's more evolved as the show goes on. And I would say she's way more sapio than demi. Okay. He's more demi. Than sapio. Than sapio. They're both very brilliant. That's not to say they aren't. But in their expression of themselves, you can see it. He's not as rigid. She gets rigid. That's because of the sapio side, keeping her on, like, these are the facts. This is what we know. This is how you do it. Yeah. If you're going to do that, you do it this way. And then he has more of an artistic way of seeing the world. Yes. Yes. And anyway, he's very motivated by her and he realizes, like, what she's studying and what she's postulating in science speaks is to his similar what's very similar and and his work would actually benefit from it so he goes to her the next day and he says look 
why don't you come to work in my lab? I'll give you free reign. And you can just be a, a scientist Do your own doing your own science. And, and first she resists because she goes, but no one will ever recognize me as a scientist if I publish under your name. He goes, no, you'll, you'll publish under your own name. You'll be the first you'll be the lead. scientist, which is a huge like, gift to uh, her. Yeah, and, an, and a, an occurring that just isn't happening. And she hadn't contemplated that as a possibility. Like she's floored by it. But then she agrees. Yes. And so then they set about the next day arranging to get her into his lab. And you see the conversations they have with the different powers that be. And he basically tells the dean who's saying to him, why don't you just, you know, hire a man? You don't need a, you don't need a you woman. Don't a woman. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he goes, look, I'm not asking you. I'm just telling you. Just do the paperwork. Yeah. So you sort of see where the power lives there. Yeah, yeah. And then on her side, the secretary's going, look, he just wants you in the lab so he can fuck you. That's basically, basically. All, that's all he all he wants. That's all that men want. And she's so. going like, no, 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 we're scientists. We can she have goes, a professional she goes, uh, relationship. You know, relationship. <laughs> she's going, no, 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 you don't understand. He's a dude. He wants to nail you. Yeah. And throughout the show, you get a couple of insights into her experience in sexual violence because you see little flashes of moments when anyone in a male in a room closes the door she sort of freaks out she always says i want the door open please leave the door open but the visualization that they create of what she's experiencing her ptsd if you will yes is the situation where she was previously raped in a similar circumstance somebody came in closed locked this was when she was seeking it was a time when she was out there seeking her phd yeah we don't know that yet but the idea is that yeah the hint you get when kelvin asks her why didn't you get your PhD? She said it was a complicated, complicated situation. situation yeah. And you don't get any more insight than that. And you, you're you left to speculate on these things related, but you don't sure. know yet. Sure. But anyway, so she shows up in the lab and she's there before him. Yes, of course. And so she cleans it all up and puts everything away, which is something you would do. because I have done this actually <laughs> in your kitchen when we first moved in together. I yeah. mean, I literally did exactly what she did. And she says it in such a great way. Like he goes, you've moved my spatulas, you moved the graduated cylinders. And she's like, I've moved things where a sane person would place them. (laughs) And I laugh because I did think that when I was like, why would you have all this stuff here? That does, there's no rhythm in this kitchen. Why would you do that? And (laughs) so also she definitely thought that this was a, she was doing something nice, that this was a gift. And I absolutely, when I rearranged your kitchen thought, this is my love language. This is me expressing myself as part of your space. Right. And helping. Yeah. Right? Even yeah. if it wasn't helpful. <laughs> <laughs> At the time. I, we, what we, call, we called you the confusion now. Confusion Because I'd go, well, where is the salt? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> where would you put it? And you'd go, I don't know. Let's good luck. <laughs> anyway, it was really funny for us. I mean, we had a really great moment around that. But what was really clear was that there's a really serious scientist here Mm -hmm. who is doing really serious science. And you see one moment where they're drawing like equations on the board and she looks at it and what he's done and she erases what he's done and writes the correct, you know, and you get a sense from that earlier because there's an earlier conversation in the lab where one of the scientists, bench scientists says to her, what am I missing here? And she takes a glance at it and says, oh, you're missing the catalyst. You know, just like it's nothing, right? Yeah. So she's super bright. And you get there's this capacity for her to generate amazing food because she's generating amazing food. Yeah. And he's eating this amazing food. Well, she keeps bringing new things to lunch because right. now it's they're on the regular. They're sitting down and having lunch together. And pretty soon she's 
pulling out she's double pa- uh, uh, yeah. double packing knives and forks right. and she's creating and i said this to you earlier i said she's seducing him yeah, absolutely yeah she enjoys this she lo- enjoys sharing it with someone because she puts a lot of effort into her cooking yeah and he absolutely loves it sure. and so she's getting that sex through her demi sapio side full on i mean sure. that's a full because then they're also eating this wonderful food and then talking equations right they're actually having the conversations that they both prefer to have yes around that moment and there's a scene where he calls her on the phone because he had a a realization Mm -hmm. and first of all she answers the phone and she goes doctor so-and-so don't you know this is after eight o'clock like that like Like, like it's not proper it's not proper to call this late and clearly she's distracted enough by him she goes let me get my notebook and she goes off to get a notebook and when she comes back there's smoke in the kitchen she's burning whatever she's making she's super distracted she doesn't burn things and she freaks out she goes i don't burn anything and he's like what never yeah and she's like yeah never never because you know but then it cuts from that it drops her back in that kitchen on the tv show seven years years later later eight years later and she starts to talk about making lasagna and then on the show her lasagna burns her lasagna burns she opens it and i couldn't tell at that moment because you know she's at a point where she's reflecting on her life and that conversation they just showed you with her that she purposely did that or that happened just because the set it just happened but it just really she handles it well on camera allowing the reality of what's so and it's burnt and sometimes things don't go the way you planned yeah sometimes things burn and it's okay and sometimes they burn a lot yeah and that it gave freedom for the women in the audience at a time when they strive that generation was like about being a perfect homemaker it was sure. all beaver cleaver everything yeah, right yeah. and here they are giving permission to be human that right. it doesn't always work out right it was really interesting because when you say the audience, you don't just mean the in-studio audience yeah. because this show was so popular that women all over the country were tuning in at six o'clock. Of course. And they're all sitting at home with their notebooks taking notes because she's very precise in her language, mm-hmm. you know? Anyway, that's where it ends on the first episode. I think there are a couple of things I want to say about this. First of all, it's brilliantly written. Yeah. brilliantly photographed the acting is brilliant it's an mm-hmm. excellent rendition of the story mm-hmm. there are things that come later that i don't appreciate as much but in this first episode i was blown away by yeah. the quality of the television yeah and the the subject was so interesting it was, it was like dealing with like sexism mm-hmm. and misogyny and sexual discrimination mm-hmm. and sexual violence but also a little insight into relatedness and connection and Yeah, and how women, the looking good scenario for women at that time was epic and they had to present in a certain way in public. Sure. And yeah. what was expected, the, the whole mass women that were doing what was expected of them versus women with, like her who were out of the mold and taking a different path. Yeah. And how, yeah, she's a trailblazer and trying to do it as low-key as possible. Yeah, she right? wants to, she, you know, she wants to be invisible yeah. because she doesn't agree with the society as it is. No, it doesn't work but, for her. Yeah, she doesn't really want to interact with the society, no. but she has to because there are, you, have you know, to. there are yeah. the rules. Yeah, and yeah. Calvin even talks about that. He talks to her about coming into his lab and saying, look, you know, there's no point just beating your head against the wall. 
we'll just do this and we'll behind make the, more, the scenes. Behind we, the scenes. We can't necessarily change sexism, but we can behind the scenes do what we need to do to make you make, it, make your work valid. Yes. Yeah. To validate you. Cause the whole thing about the way women were treated during that era was they were made nothing of. They were belittled and diminished and demeaned if they ever put their heads up and said, Hey, I'm smart or I can do this right. or that. And they were very, very kept, stay in your lane, stay in your lane, kept down. You know? Yeah. So I think this is a very important show for that reason. But the thing that really moved us was the insight into demi-sapiosexuality. And so it's interesting you say he was more demi and she's more sapiosexual. So say more about that. Well, like, for example, in the the lab. So he does things like he, you know, he's complaining everything's been moved, but then he also has a record player and he plays on some kind of what I would call more acid jazz. It's kind of all over the place. Yeah, it's just creative jazz. And yeah. and he's got it loud. And she's just like, this isn't working for me. I can't do this because it's disruptive. I like, and then she goes in this whole little speech right. about why she likes music that builds upon each other and what well, it is. And, she, it, yeah. and it's like, he actually is enrolled in what she says yeah. by the end of it. And she goes, what? And she just really went on for a couple minutes. Yeah. And so then he smiles and goes away. But then he comes back later and brings her some music of her preference and said, we can alternate every other day. Right. Well, that's someone who is expressing their demi side. They care enough about the other person to produce something that's relatedness for them both. Workability, yeah. right? And he just has that quirkiness that's like that. Doesn't mean he's not a sapio person. He is. I just think in relationship, he's more intimate relationship, not just working. But intimate relationship, what's attractive to him is being the demi sapio. And where she is for sure is sapio demi. Interesting. And it doesn't mean that she's not in the demi role where she's emotionally involved. She is. Right. But she's very rigid in her But you see thinking. her emotionally involvement when she's making food for him because that's her way. Different expression. Of showing yeah. Her, yes. yeah. Her that's why I'm saying she, they're both. Yeah. 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 It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Good show. So we'll do part two next time. Okay. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Cheers!